Ladies and gentlemen, presented by the WZWA Network, it's the Insider's Edge Podcast with your host, California. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy right here, right now, I get to have a guest on my show that I would say has probably been the most requested guest uh, since I've been doing the podcast. I'm serious because since I've been doing a lot of interviews with um, some of these guys from the deathmatch scene in the United States, one name keeps on coming up over and over and over again. I've hounded him for years and finally I've got to make it happen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one, this is the only, this is Mr. Ian Rotten. How are you, sir? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm ready for my uh, podcast all the way in, in Australia. If you can see, I got, got my Rhea Ripley shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, bro. Obviously, I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, she's definitely done Me too. so much for our country uh, over there. So, um, But thank you for representing and, and thank you for being here on the show with me, bro. Uh, first question, as usual. I, I want to tell you something funny before I get, get oh, into that. Go for it. So, um, you know, uh, Shotzi Blackheart uh, is somebody I help, I help train, things like that. And uh, when she got her job in NXT and stuff, I was like, do me a favor. Please tell me Rhea Ripley isn't an asshole. And she's like, no, no, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. I was like, all right, because I'm on that bandwagon. <laughs> so uh, I, like, I, I knew she had, uh, you know, this star potential uh, hmm. power from the, from the very beginning. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm real happy for her. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm really stoked uh, at the, the success that she's seen because, as far as Australian representation in in the big companies concerned, before kind of this new era where there's been a few Australians there, uh, all we had really to hang our hat on was Nathan Jones and uh, uh, Outback Jack, and uh, uh, <laughs> it's going back a yeah, while. Yeah, uh, Tony, Tony Korea was uh, billed as from Auckland in New Zealand, so that's kind of close, but you know. <laughs> it is close, yeah. So the bushwhackers, uh, I guess they're, they're they're New Zealand as well, but uh, everyone kind of gets us mixed up. But there's a vast difference, I assure you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I trust me, I know, I know. I, that's why I said it's kind of close, but you know, not not all the way there. Cool, bro. Uh, so again, the first question I always have on the show for everyone is: uh, How did you become a wrestling fan before you actually got into the business? Uh, my dad was a huge wrestling fan. Um, I mean, one of those guys that would fight you over, uh, the F word and, and, and I don't mean fuck, I mean fake. Um, you know, like my, 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 my dad, uh, was, was a diehard wrestling fan. Uh, so, uh, when I was four years old, he took, <laughs> though my, my mom was quite upset at him. He took me to my first wrestling show and uh, from there on, it was, it, it was uh, you know, love at first sight. Oh, that's great to hear. So I'm sure you spent, spent many, many hours, many evenings uh, watching wrestling with your dad. Uh, so that's always cherished memories. Uh, but there's got to be a oh, point yeah. in time. Sorry, you, you know, I tell people all the time, my, my dad worked, my dad worked two jobs, um, you know, but he always made, he always made time to take me to roller derby. And to take me to wrestling. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, uh, it, it, it really did break his heart when I had to tell him 
both of them w- were a work. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and the only reason I chose to do that is because uh, he came to see me wrestle in Martinsburg, West Virginia at the Martinsburg National Guard Armory and wound up chasing one of my opponents all around the building with a steel chair because uh, he was upset that I got dumped upside down in a trash can. So, um, like, I, I literally had to sit down and be like, okay, Dad, I got to tell you something. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he argued with me. He was like, no, maybe you guys do that that way, but that that ain't the way of, of the days of Bruno and, you know, uh, Ray Stevens, you know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Dad, just one day we decided, you know, we're, it was going to be a work. that's great stuff uh as a fan though of of pro wrestling before getting into the business there's a there's a moment in time where you obviously have to be influenced by the hardcore style of pro wrestling which is something that you've been quite renowned for obviously uh i I love finding out about this with certain guys and i remember thumbtack jack telling me about like he saw pictures in magazines and he could never find the footage because it was just from Japan and right. impossible to get his hands on. Uh, how did you first, you know, come into to find out more about this style of wrestling? Uh, Florida championship wrestling. Um, my, my, my dad um, and my mom divorced when I was seven. My dad moved to Florida uh, and I would go visit him in the summer. And every Tuesday night we were at the Fort Hesley Armory uh, in Tampa for, for, for Tuesday night wrestling. Um, once a month, we would go to the Bayfront center, uh, in St. Petersburg for the big show. Um, and at that Bayfront center, I saw, uh, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk take on King Curtis Iakea and the great Kabuki in a ball wire match. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on, on that, uh, on that same card, um, there, there was just a, a time where they had they had to come out and uh, and mop the ring up because uh, Bruiser Brody was on the card and um, he he hard weighed uh, I don't even remember who it was but I mean there was so much blood everywhere I just thought it was like the coolest thing and uh, you know from 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 there I was hooked you know it was Dusty's booking Eddie Graham's booking I saw. You know, the first pinfalls count anywhere matches that were really being done. I saw B. Brian Blair versus Bruiser Brody go into the women's bathroom at the Fort Hesley Armory in a pinfalls count anywhere match. Uh, so I, I I was I was into that stuff. You know, Joe, Joe LaDuke was in that territory, um, you know, and, and it, it, it was the, you know, I would I would say is as well as USWA or, you know, at the time it was, it was, uh, CWA, uh, Lawler and, and, and Jerry Jarrett's group that, uh, you know, I would see footage of their shows and the white canvas would be covered in blood. And, uh, you know, when, when it was funny, cause when IWA had a white canvas, that's the first thing I wanted to do was get it real bloody. <laughs> so, uh, and the person that gave me the canvas was like, what the hell Ian? We just gave you that brand new canvas. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's white. <laughs> you wanted to decorate it. Oh, that's, that's right. cool. Um, Thank you for sharing. And speaking of IWA, and, and ladies and gentlemen, when, with this interview, I'm jumping all over the place here. We're not going in some sort of timeline. Uh, I know there's a time and place where you debut, you, 
you're working in the business, but I wanted to ask you about starting a promotion from scratch. What does that look like in the nineties? And how difficult was that process to, to get IWA Mid-South underway? Well, um, I ran a couple of shows and and they didn't, they didn't go so well either, either because uh, in this area, uh, 16 inches of snow is a major snowstorm. Um, and so I, you know, being from Maryland, I thought, you know, well, it's not too bad out there now, you know, we'll still have the show and, you know, nobody came. Um, so I had heard that, uh, there was a building that Danny Davis ran OBW, um, and they weren't happy with what he was drawing because, his rent uh, was beer sales, and and they really they really weren't a adult company either. You know they were you know family friendly wrestling, and um, so I w- I went over there and I uh, talked to the owner and I was like, look, you know I'm I'm 26 years old. You know I'm not an old man like Danny Davis like I am now, um, <laughs> but but. I was like, I got drive, I got determination, you know, I, I've got some great ideas. I think I can sell you a lot of beer. Well, that's all it was. They told Danny he had to get out. <laughs> and, um, you know, so when, when, I, when I started running, you know, I, I thought of, you know, the, um, I don't, I don't want to say where it was, where it was a takeover of talent, but, I, I thought with having cheaper bills to pay than than the Louisville Gardens and things like that, I could steal some talent from USWA and get the USWA fans to go, okay, well, you know, I like Doug Gilbert and Tommy Wildfire Rich, so I, I'm going to go try this other place out, you know. Um, and I had uh, just under $10,000 to start out with from, from a tour of Japan. And... Um, so I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, bring, bring some of the, some of my friends in. Of course, I, I brought in the like great Ted Petty, Flyboy, Rocco Rock, um, 911 from ECW. Um, and, uh, you know, sh- shortly after that, um, you know, the, the, the first show we had 99 people at. And then, um, uh, by, taking guys like Doug Gilbert and Tommy Rich and Dutch Mantell and um, Jamie and Wolfie PG 13. Um, by, by, by Thanksgiving, I was uh, up over 300 and, and the, and the crowds were there every, every Thursday night. Um, then Lawler said something that pissed me off. Um, and I, I, I moved my show uh, from Thursday night to Tuesday night, because I wanted to compete with them head to head, and um, you know, eventually, uh, uh, USWA went out of business because they 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 were they were running a five thousand five hundred seat building in the Louisville Gardens and drawing you know maybe one hundred fifty. Um, so, but at by that time, you know, uh, they also weren't doing the ref, uh, the, excuse me, rough uh, style of wrestling that they had been doing for, for years. 
So then when you came to my show and you saw, you know, guys falling in glass and you saw baseball bats wrapped in ball wire. And then, um, you know, of course, uh, one night me and Pondo were, were, were looking for weapons uh, in the, in the building to use. Uh, we found some light tubes, you know, and, 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 and decided to use it. Um, so when, when you go, when you go from there, uh, when, when, when Lawler got the athletic commission involved, it was, it was easy breezy until the athletic commission got involved. And, but once the athletic commission got involved, it was a pain in my ass. Mm. Those 300, almost 400 crowds went to, um, 115, 120. So, um, then, then, then it became difficult. You know, um, but really, uh, um, being able to sell beer, uh, having my own concessions, um, which I've always prided myself on the IWA hot dog. Um, You know, I I just, uh, you know, didn't really have a hard time of it, uh, really, um, until uh, the commission got involved and and all that stuff and and. Yeah. You know, okay. I, I, you know, I, I basically was upfront and brutally honest with them, and 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 told them, you know, you have no place in the wrestling business. It's all a work. I have no idea what you're here for besides besides your five percent of the gate. Yeah. And uh, and and your ten dollars a wrestler on a, on a bullshit licensing fee that you do absolutely nothing for us at least in the state of maryland where i come from they have a doctor come to the show and make sure you have a uh, uh, decent blood pressure and and you're, and you're capable of wrestling you know um you know so uh they didn't like that <laughs> so, so they came after so they came after me more and then uh one night we 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 lit a table on fire and they and they weren't there and they 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 came in the next show after that, uh, complaining to me about the table being on fire. Um, of course, because you know Lawler had his stooges in the crowd, and um, <laughs> so uh, I basically made the head athletic commissioner look like an idiot because I told him it was a magic trick and that there was no chance of anybody being burnt or anything like that. I was like. I was like, it's 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 literally uh, uh, water that comes spraying out of the of the uh, of the lighter fluid bottle, <laughs> and this dumbass believed me and went back to the commission and said, "Yeah, it's water. It's a magic trick." <laughs> and they're like, "You can't like water on fire." <laughs> so, so you know it it you know uh, Cornette likes to tell this story of of. Uh, I went in there um, and had gig marks all over my head and, and and stuff and 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 things like that. Um, I did I did go in there, uh, but I, I, you couldn't see no gig marks on my head because I had a bandana on my head. And uh, I I I uh, basically told the commission to go fuck themselves. And um, I said everything you do is in selective enforcement. Um, yeah. You know. You want my license so bad? Here's 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 my license, and I I threw it at Jack Kearns, who was the head head athletic commissioner, and uh, you know I said I said to him you know because uh, the thing that really pissed me off is 
they wait what they this was this was a really sneaky thing actually and i know i'm kind of getting long-winded about this but right. um it really is a big story part of iwa um i was in germany and, and go i was going to germany and uh they came in and raided a show and said we didn't pay our taxes but the thing was jack kearns this is where he got back over on me told me that they didn't want uh, a check once once a week anymore that they wanted me to combine all the taxes and put it into one check for the month so when when we didn't pay for a couple of weeks that gave him the opportunity to say i didn't pay my taxes and then when i said well dude you said you only wanted one check he's an honor said that <laughs> you know uh so uh but yeah the the long and short of it um pro- probably more than long is uh it, it was it was Fairly easy until the athletic commission started messing with. Right. Okay. Well, a little bit of insight there, everyone, about you know the, the the shit that some people have to deal with just to get a wrestling company going. Uh, right. And okay, so we, we're talking about the early days here of IWA Mid South. Uh, Deathmatch wrestling in general was seen as super taboo and an eyesore on pro wrestling. These days, though, it's celebrated. Uh, from being there from the start with this kind of U.S. deathmatch scene, how does the change in opinion and perception over the years make you feel? Um, well, first of all, m- me and me and Axel were the ones that had to put up with guys like uh, Bruce Mitchell and uh, uh, Dave Meltzer and all that stuff, calling what we were doing in ECW not wrestling. You know. Um, which I highly disagreed with back very much back then because there was a booker of the show. The booker told us what you know what, what to do. Uh, we went out there and did it to the very best best we could. Uh, bled all over the place, uh, uh, killed our bodies, and uh, that that's pro wrestling. Um, you know when when you look when you look at it uh, from the standpoint of where it's at now. Um, that's why sometimes I get quite upset with with people that that don't give me my flowers, so to say, uh, because I'm the one that had to put up with all that shit too. You know, I had to put up with the the Melters and 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 Mitchells and so the the only two journalists that I ever felt were fair with deathmatch wrestling was a guy named Jess McGrath who wrote for a PWI Insider. And Mike Johnson, who also to this day still writes for PWI Inside, um, they the the taboo on it. I mean, Lawler went to the Athletic Commission. This is a cancer to wrestling, and you know, um, but it was okay for him to get his you know nut broken uh, <laughs> uh, in in a, in a match. Um, I mean, he, he, he's I don't know whether you know this or not, but he suffered a ruptured testicle in, in, a, in a match from being posted. Um, from Tommy Rich and Austin Idol, um, that that that's that's a that's a real thing. So, you know, and like I said, they were bleeding all over the place every night, and I argue this all the time. There is no difference between a steel cage match and a barbed wire match. Both of them are to sell to the public that they're going to see blood. You know, so one, you know, you can 
you can take, you know, a ball wire and stick it in a dude's head, you know, and they, they, they don't see any, any, any use of, of the hands up by the head or anything like that. And they know this guy's getting hard weight. To me, that brings legitimacy to wrestling that a steel cage doesn't, you know, or, you know, uh, anything like that, you know, glass, you know, uh, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, the first cut that I got uh, in the Taipei death match in ECW was a hard way. Axel took glass and cut me with it. Um, and uh, I, I I was praying to God that it, it, it was what it needed to be for, for Bill Alfonso to stop the match for this little trickle of blood um, and, and not bleeding all over the damn place. Uh, so when you have, um, you know, th- things like that go on, um, you know, I, I, I believe it brings le- legitimacy when, when I took the baseball bat wrapped in ball wire and I stuck it in Axel's leg and it stuck straight up in the air, the smartest fans in the world, the ECW fans, the smartest fans in the world were fooled to thinking I stuck that ball wire bat in his leg. And it was sticking straight up, you know. So uh, what they don't realize is uh, he had a, a knee pad on underneath of that, and that's what I put the 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 ball wire in. That's what was holding the ball wire back uh, straight up in the air. Right. Um, but you know that that that's what always makes me laugh when people say, "Oh, they don't know how to work," and you know to do it right, you better damn sure know how to work because if you if you don't then somebody's going to get hurt. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and don't get me wrong. I, I, I've had a, a ton of hard way stitches in my arm from that damn baseball bat wrapped in ball wire. Um, and for, and Fort Lauderdale, one of the matches that I would love to have in my career, um, that I've never been able to get the footage of is a match from Fort Lauderdale at the war Memorial Coliseum which was really cool for me anyway, because I was a fan of Florida championship wrestling. I watched wrestling in that building as a fan. So to wrestle in that building uh, as part of a featured match was, was, was really cool. But uh, Axel hit me in the arm with the bat and it ripped, ripped my arm open. I mean, just open it up like, like, like a vagina. And, (laughs) um, you know, uh, the crowd started chanting, you sick fucks. You sick fucks. And it wasn't a case of, you know, you sick fucks. It was a case of, oh, fuck, I can't believe that happened. (laughs) You know, Um, but. Yeah, to to the to the modern day where 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 deathmatch wrestling is, you know, I I believe you used the word celebrated, Hmm. you know, um, uh, compared to now. There had to be guys that 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 went before you and took all the shit. And, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm one of, I'm one of those guys. Um, and, uh, don't get me wrong. There is some fantastic deathmatch fans out there. I mean, absolutely fantastic. They know their shit. They, they, they know what they're talking about, uh, things like that. But there is just some deathmatch fans out there that I really believe they want to see somebody get hurt. Mm. and um and hurt bad uh, and 
that that that's my only worry is you know I I I think deathmatch wrestling is kind of plateaued right now as far as what you do what you what you can do and things like that uh, you know uh, where you have there's 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 only so 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 many certain amounts of weapons out there that that, <laughs> uh, that can be used. You know, um, that's why myself as a promoter, I was always trying to come up with different ways to the 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 use stuff, you know, and um you know, and 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 that's a that's a difficult thing to do. Um, but I thought that IWA and the people involved in IWA, including myself, um, you know, we were we were constantly trying to come up with new things you know, to do. Like I had to get on some asshole on the internet uh, who put up this picture of the ring with about six light tubes in it and a couple other gimmicks and said, House of Horrors death match. I said, well, as the inventor of that match, that is not a House of Horrors death match and please stop calling it that. Um, you know, because it's a hard match to set up. You have, you have to have, you know, uh, you know, first of all, you have to have a shitload of tubes. You have to have um, them suspended, hanging. Um, you know, that's why it pissed me off when Vince called whatever that thing with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton was House of Horrors. You know, <laughs> um, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not one of them Vince McMahon bashers. I I think the guy is the greatest genius ever in the in the history of the business, and and you know. Uh, took a big chance on fucking WrestleMania and it, and it paid off to no end. Um, that's what's always funny when people talk shit about me being a gambler. I'll be like, Vince McMahon was the biggest gambler that ever existed. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I've never taken a million dollar gamble. I, gar- I guarantee you that. <laughs> you know? um, so it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's in, in real good stage is now, but I also think it's in limbo, in, in limbo kind of, you know, like, um, I always like, we, we made, we made fun of, uh, um, this group. Cause everybody thinks they can do death matches. Everybody thinks they can do death matches. And this one group, their final was a single light tube and a cardboard box. So we put that in the ring and called it the other guy's death match. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, you know, and, and being honest with you, though, I'm going to speak to him very soon. I, I don't think, uh, Lauderdale and them, uh, have, have ever done the job that we did on, on, on doing death matches. They, they, they never spent the money and they, or, or anything like that. When my building in New Albany, uh, got taken from me, there was 2000 light tubes inside of it. So, um, you know, that, that's a lot of damn light tubes. And, uh, I, I was always trying to, uh, think of something more creative to to do with that. Um, you know, I get credit for it, but actually it was a guy named Chris Hatler that came up with the law cabin of glass. Um, I just said, that sounds like a really cool idea. I have no idea how we're going to build it. <laughs> and his, his nickname was the creator. And uh, this dude could create some really, really, really good shit. 
and uh, and he did so. And the like, people. When I tell you, <laughs> the first log cabin of glass was a log cabin. <laughs> I mean, it had a roof on it. It was peaked. I mean, uh, it, it was it was absolutely insane. Uh, so. I I just kind of worry about that now. Where where are we at now? And and I'm not going to be one day. I, I put this out this morning on my Facebook. I am not running another deathmatch tournament ever. Um, I I just I don't have it in me at 53 years old, legally blind, eight toes, and arthritic. I just don't have it in me. Um, and if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it like the other guys. I'm not going to do it at all. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Hopefully, uh, you know, somebody comes up with, with, with some, some good shit, you know, um, I always, I always look at, uh, you know, movies and Hollywood and special effects type of things to, to, to come up with things, you know, that's, that's how I came up with the, the Taipei death match. You know, I was watching that John Claude Van Damme movie and I was like, that could be done as a wrestling match. And I, 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 uh. I hit Paulie up with it. I was like, me and Axel against against Public Enemy do do this match. We'll call it the Taipei Death Match and all this other stuff. And Teddy and Johnny were like, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, uh I I I I hope that you know somebody takes an interest in it to because it's very easy. It's very easy when you don't have to announce a name. You don't have to announce a stipulation and you've got 1500 tickets sold. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to become complacent in, in what you're doing. Not, not that I'm saying Brett or any, anybody else. I won't even mention the other Dick's name. Um, not other Dick. Cause I don't look at Brett as a Dick, but the Dick, uh, name, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, anybody's really putting anything into it besides what's already been done. That's that's what wor- that's what worries me now. Mm. You know, something cool, some concept come up that is cool that that uh, you know might might be a ripoff of of, of something else that, that that was cool. You know, and 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 grab people's attention as as something new without somebody getting hurt. Yeah. You know, uh, so that that's 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 really what I I I hope for for deathmatch wrestling. Like, um, I hope that, that people realize that there are limits uh, to it. Um, I saw I saw this video clip of Shane Mercer in an indoor building throw, throwing this kid, lighting this kid on fire, and then throwing this kid. Oh. Towards the for, for a table and a kid yeah. missed the table. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything else, and I realize shit happens. And Shane Mercer may be the strongest human being that's ever been in the wrestling business, and that's saying something. Um, but you know, sometimes you you, you just gotta think. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think. Is this, is this a wise idea? You know, so. Cool, bro. Well, thank you very much for the insight there. Very cool. Uh, speaking about all this stuff from back in the day, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, CZW Tournament of Death number two, because I spoke to Nick Mondo about the main event and, and the finals there between you two and how you essentially had to carry the match because he was just not there at all. Uh, could yeah. you 
share some insight on your memories of, of that matchup with Nick? Um, you know, I think Nick is one of those guys um, that uh, he, he truly feared nothing, <laughs> you know. Um, so, uh, but sometimes that's, that, that's a bad thing. <laughs> and after that bump off the roof, he was in no shape to wrestle, you know? And, uh, I told him, I said, you know, just listen to me. I'll get you through this. Uh, and, and, and we'll do the, the best we can. And when we came back, uh, from the match, everybody was applauding him and stuff. And Nick hugged me. He said, "I don't know why they're applauding me. You're the one. You're the one that saved that." You know, uh, I was like, "I, you know, this is this is your home fed. I really, really, really don't care why they're applauding you, but you should be applauded for just going out there after that bump." Um, so, you know, I never liked John Zandig from day one. Um, so I never trusted John Zandig from, from day one. Um, but when I found out the finals were going to be, uh, me and Nick, I was actually really excited about it. And then when I saw that bump he took, I was like, I, I went to Burns. And I was like, do you realize I got, I got heat galore here and you're going to have me get beat by a guy <laughs> that just got dumped off of a building. <laughs> um, and he, he was like, that's what they want. And I was like, okay, you know, well, that's what, the, if that's what they want, but they're killing us right now. And, uh, that was the only reason why I agreed to work for CCW was that I didn't have to even talk to Zandig, um, because Mike Burns was the booker at the time, smart mark video. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I worked Nick. I think three times total. I, wor- I worked on uh, the Tournament of Death finals. I worked them in King of the Death, and uh, I had a I had a match with them in Milwaukee um, for the Hardcore Cup. I think. Um, don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. Twenty concussions and a lot of weed. I, I forget shit. <laughs> you know? uh, but um, you know, uh, I always I always enjoyed working Nick. I like like I said the <laughs> Unfortunately for him, there there was nothing he ever said no to. <laughs> yeah. So now now that you mention it, it is kind of funny. Like you still lost to the guy that took a bump off a building. That's <laughs> great <Right>. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. I, I'm going to throw and this. Mind, and mind you, me and Zandig hadn't wrestled yet. Right. We hadn't wrestled yet. So in my mind, it made no sense for me to lose this. Could you imagine how much heat would have been on me if I would have won tournament of death? Mm. You know, like Zandig would have had to come out there and hand me that trophy. Yeah. Like, but but dude didn't understand making money, you know, at, at all. He didn't understand how to how to get heat, you know. Like when when he looked out in the crowd one one of the shows, I believe it was the Extreme Eight show, and I had sold out of IWT, IWA t shirts. And and the fans that came to IWA from the East Coast were wearing their IWA t-shirts. I I I don't think Zandig was very happy that you know he 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 wasn't he wasn't uh, the guy then. Right. Um, but I mean, uh, dude, dude, 
dude makes Man Man Ponder look like Dean Malenko in the ring. Like, <laughs> I mean, he just he has no abilities whatsoever. His only ability is to take punishment. You know, that 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 that's his ability. Um, but you know, uh we did it, we did a like like a lightsaber spot with chairs, you know, and and we smacked the chairs back and forth, and you know, I I feed to him, you know, the big miss spot and have the chair out for him to knock the chair out of my hands and then to be able to hit me with the chair. Um and this dumbass misses the chair totally. Hits me in the wrist and breaks my wrist. Yeah, fuck. Right. So, so uh, uh, I, I I never really had confidence in John in, in, in anything, you know. Which which is funny because uh, you know, he likes he likes to say that uh, I was scared on top of that uh cage thing that we did that off that awful cage match in Delaware, um, but uh, that was when I had my first. Uh, Brown recluse spider bite, and uh, the the doctor at the show advised me not to work. I had a hundred and three degree fever, and I didn't trust him. And I told him that I did, I did, I did. I said, John, I'm scared to death. Please take care of me on this bump. There's nothing wrong with saying that to your opponent, mm. you know, um, because you know that was the way I supported my family. That was the way you know I made a living. You know, I wasn't just wrestling on uh, IWA shows. You know, I was I was wrestling in Milwaukee and California and Florida and Alabama. You know, so I mean, like, uh, you know, dude, dude was just I, I don't know how I got on John Zandig, but it just <laughs> one, of the, right. one, one of the one of the most horrible wrestlers I've ever been in in in, in the ring. Fair enough, right? Uh, <laughs> um. I want to. I'm going to have to fast forward it to this question here because um, I'm I'm keep looking at the time, worried about the time, and I know that this is an important question on this interview. Uh, IWA Mid South has Mid South has not had a show since May of 2022. Uh, I know you've mentioned a few things on your Facebook, but for those who don't know, is it gone for good? Is it coming back? What's happening with IWA Mid South? No man, I'm I'm going to run April twentieth of twenty twenty four in Indianapolis. Um, I I got some money backers. This will be the first time I ever run a show and 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 don't don't care if one person shows up. Um, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to book who I want to book. Um, uh, if cancel culture doesn't like it, fuck them. I I don't really care, you know. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have a hell of a show. Um. It's it, it's it's like this, like when when you do something for twenty six years, and then the last show that you run after over a thousand shows, you have a catastrophe of uh, of things going on. Um, I I don't want that to to be my end all be all of, of IWA. I don't I don't want it. it it to be remembered for a show where, you know, not a lot of people got paid, you know, um, I, I, I want it to be remembered for what it, what it truly is. And, um, you know, a, a, a place where you can see some high, uh, you know, high flying, hard hitting, uh, you might see some Memphis style wrestling. You're going to, you're going to see some blood, you know, 
you might see a hot chick or two, you know, um, you know, it, 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 it offers somebody something for every wrestling fan. I always thought that's what made ECW so cool was that, you know, on the same show that you could see me and Axel beat the shit out of each other with a baseball bat wrapped in ball wire, you could see Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero, you know, uh, and, uh, that that's always been the IWA formula. Um, you know, I got, I got asked a great question by Mike, Mike, Mike Johnson after, I, uh, when we were promoting one of the King of the death matches and, uh, he said, do you still feel the way you, you felt about Paul Lee when you left the company as you do today? Now that, now that you're a promoter of your own. And my answer to that was good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and, the, and the answer to that tr- truthfully is no, I do not feel the same, same about him because I, I, I know the struggles. I know Robin Peter to pay Paul. I know, um, you know, I've never used somebody's uh, uh, supposedly family member died to buy an airplane ticket. I haven't done that one. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I always I always looked up to Paulie uh, from from the standpoint of uh, people always said Paulie's a genius. No, Paulie's not a genius. He's smart enough to surround himself with pretty smart people and then uh, put his own twist on it once he gets their ideas and um paul uh you know i i honestly truthfully have have to say i i don't feel there's ever a me without him just like there's never a me without axel you know um people have asked me all the time why'd you put up with all of axel's bullshit because without him there is no me you lead the dance with who 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 brought you and that's an important thing to me as far as, as far as loyalty is concerned, you know, and I, I know you sent me these questions beforehand and you said, if I didn't want to talk about this, I, 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 I don't need to, you know, um, but I, that's something people don't understand. I've never ducked anything, you know, uh, like if, if you ask me, if you ask me a question, you know, I, I'll answer it, you know, uh, and then and, and I know I say you know a lot, but you know, um, <laughs> there, uh, there, there has to be, there, there, there has to be some semblance of, of loyalty in wrestling, and and I feel that as the newer age people, co- excuse me, come in, it's not so much about you know getting in somewhere, having a promoter. Uh, put faith in you uh, to uh, wrestle the top guys that are out there. And, you know, that's what I always did with Punk. You know, Punk wrestled every top guy I ever brought in. Jerry Lynn, Sabu, Tracy Smothers. I mean, uh, of course, Eddie and Ray. Um, You know, he wrestled Eddie Guerrero three times for, for, for me because from the very beginning, I felt that he was a main event guy and to be a main event guy on, on the top of the mountain, you have to wrestle people that have been to the top of the mountain. And, um, you know, so I, I appreciated Paulie aligning me with Terry Funk or, uh, 
to uh, put me in the ring uh, so many times with uh, the late, great Ted Petty. Um, you know, just so, so many opportunities to learn. Even though it wasn't a really good, great match, I thought it was really cool that I got to work Pat Tanaka and Paul Don in Bad Company, former AWA Tag Team Champions. Like, you know, um, it, the opportunities were endless at, at ECW. And um, I don't think nowadays people breaking into business look at it as the same as I do. When I broke into business, 10 guys around it, surrounded the ring and beat the living shit out of me. Uh, l- little known fact here. One of the guys that beat me up uh, as my initiation into the wrestling business was Gilberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, who I'm still friends with to, to this day. Um, you know, but like they... They look at it as because, oh, I gave some wrestling school $2,500 or $3,000 or $5,000. I don't have to pay dues. I don't have to put up rings. I don't have to promote shows. I, you know, I don't, I don't have to make this promoter's um, dates my priority, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, and, and then, but then they, they, then they want to get on the internet and, and tell everybody, you know, um, you know, how much they got paid or how much they didn't get paid. <laughs> it's just a lot. Man, if I would have went out in the day and went to the bar afterwards and, was, and would have been like, you know what my first EW, ECW payday was? $30. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have had many more paydays because Paulie would have fired me. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, we we weren't. We weren't going around. Um, I, I don't know how much you know about American wrestling, but you know, back in the day, the rivalry was uh, Dennis Carluza and the NWA and ECW. Yeah. You know, if if I would have told Paulie, uh, "Hey, I'm going to take this Dennis Carluza booking," <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, back in the day when we were in, in global, we 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 had to get our bookings cleared through the global office. You know, hey, can I wrestle for so and so? Can I wrestle for so and so? Can I wrestle for so? You know, like, uh, and their thing was, as long as you put gave our bookings priority, you know, go make your money. You know, um, but now guys want to wrestle for fourteen companies in the same building in a month, you know, they, and girls, um, you know. It's 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 just it's a different world out there now, man. I mean, uh, I broke in in 1990, and um, you know, I, I know no make, may make me a, a dinosaur, you know, but uh, I sat in those dressing rooms and I listened to Killer Tim Brooks and Black Barton, uh, Skandar Akbar, and uh, Mike Davis of the Rock and Roll RPMs, and you know, then then in ECW, you know, sit. The, the the ability to sit there and listen to Sabu and Shane and Terry Funk call the night the line was crossed, you know, the 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 be told, you know, hey, listen, <laughs> listen to this, and if we change anything over over this, you know, uh, make sure make sure we don't, you know. So I mean, I really had to pay attention to this stuff, 
you know how scary it is to be a 23 year old kid and, and, and have to tell Terry Funk, no, that ain't, that ain't what you said. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's, a you know, it's, it, it's a different world. And, and that, that's another reason why I, I feel wrestling needs me independent, especially independent wrestling needs me, you know, uh, because I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't sugarcoat it. You know, if, if you have a shit match, like, like uh, Abyss still hasn't talked to me to this day because he was like, Ian, what'd you think of that? I was like, hey, so it's the shits. It was the drizzling shits. Here's your money. Good luck. You, you know, and, and, I, and I liked him a lot, you know, uh, but he went out there and fucking half-assed it and, and, and mailed it in. And uh, I was like, do you realize what my fans have seen? And this this is supposed to be this uh what what did they call that match in TNA? Um uh Monsters oh. Ball. Monsters Ball, yeah. This is supposed yeah. to be a Monsters Ball match. And I was like, you know what my my fans have seen, and that that's your monsters ball, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I even called him up to wish him uh congratulations on getting his job in the WWE and and uh um because I mean dude worked for me when he was Prince Justice. Uh, he was dressed in all baby blue. Uh, he used to look like the biggest fucking Smurf that ever existed. Um, but you know, I, I, I liked him, you know, but I, you know, I, I wasn't happy with this match and I'm not going to tell you, Oh, I'll, you know, Chris, I really like that when I, I don't, I'm just that guy, you know? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen, uh, Akbar or, or Paul Heyman or, or any of the guys like that. Uh, especially Lawler ever kiss anybody's ass. Um, so, I mean, that's the way I was brought up the way I was raised in the business. And, you know, if you do something fucking stupid, I'm going to tell you, you did something stupid. It, you know, uh, if you don't like my advice, go somewhere else. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. <laughs> cool, bro. Um, so, okay. So that, that's great for everyone to know all the IWA fans out there that uh, April next year, uh we, you know we'll, we'll be back in business so that's cool uh but i wanted to ask do you want to give a rebuttal to the jake christ situation i read a little bit about this when it happened um <laughs> you see my cat go flying by? <laughs> I've, I've seen the i've seen your cat a few times actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you want to respond to what whatever it was that he did he, he set some title belts on fire or something like that um yeah, man, you know, let me just say this. When cancel culture first came and Dave Christ, Jake's Jake's brother, uh, got slammed uh, in, in that, uh, along with his girlfriend, Samantha and stuff, TNA took that out on Jake. They, 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 they took his job from him. Um, you know, he, he, he wasn't getting bookings because of Dave. I was the only one that had faith in him. And not only did I have faith in him, uh, I, I was paying him. I was putting him on shows when he wasn't wasn't even booked, paying him out of my concession stand money, paying him directly out of my pocket. Um, and and let me state this. There, there was times or two that, that, that I did owe Jake money and paid him exactly when he was told. Okay. And to everybody who was on that Chicago show, uh, come that Monday morning afterwards, I said uh, – to, to my girl, Misty, I said, I said, everybody paid? She said, everybody's paid, which that wasn't true. 
but she wasn't into letting me know how bad our money situation was. And people talk about the dark side of, of, of wrestling. This is part of the dark side of wrestling because the reason why she didn't want to let me know that we were out of money was because every couple of days I was trying to figure out a way to kill myself. Um, and she thought that this would be the, the, the thing that sets me over the edge. Uh, so, uh, you know, she, she tried, she tried keeping it from me. Never, ever in that time period from whenever he went to burning the belts. Uh, cause you know, uh, he was, he was my junior, uh, champion and, and my world champion. And, um, you know, not, not, not once, not once did he ever speak to me because to keep this going, my girl was taking my phone. And I mean, as you can see, I'm, I'm legally blind. This is how I normally do things. Big ass, thick magnifying glass. Um, you know, she handled all the, all of our finances and things. So I, I never knew anything different. Uh, but not once did Jake take the time to call me, physically hear my voice, and say, why, since you have always paid me when you said you're going to pay me, why aren't you paying me this time? Not one time. And let me tell you this. If it was about money, if it was about money, he could have easily sold those belts for quite some more than 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 he, than he was owed. You know, uh, this this was this was about Jake Christ wanting uh, wanting to be the knight in shining armor of the 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 indie world that hates me. Right. John Wayne Murdoch was not owed a fucking dime from that show. Not a fucking dime. And on top of that, he was paid $50 extra for having to wait to his for his money until that Monday. You know, and 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 there's things there thing there's things like, you know, I would book shows and seminars for Jake for Jake to make money. Things I lost money on. You know, uh Jake locked his keys in his car one time after a show. I gave him half of the money to, uh for the Papa Lock. You know, um, that particular Chicago show, he came up to me and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm flying out of Chicago early in, in, in the morning. Can you get me a hotel tonight? OK, man, got him. And Kong asked me the same thing. I said, you and Kong can room. I can get you a hotel. You know, uh, adding expenses on top of expenses of already losing money. But not one time did this guy ever speak to me, hear my voice. And hear me say, I'm not going to pay you. Because if he would have called me and he would have gotten my voice, he would have got, Jake, what the fuck are you talking about? Everybody's been paid. And then literally one day, um, I guess when Jake put that on the internet and stuff, I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, I, I woke up to a message from my girl, admitting everything that was going on, that, that we were broke. We had like, I don't know. Three dollars to her name, or something like that, and uh, you know that uh, the guys are pulling off a king of the death, and 
and all this other stuff. If guys would have gave me a chance to handle it once I knew, you know, with the connections I have, with with the people that believe in me, I could have easily took care of things. But instead, it was immediately fuck Ian, who's helped us so much. You know, John Wayne Murdoch would still be Damian fucking Payne if it wasn't for me. You know, uh, I ma- I made that mo- motherfucker like he came out of my balls and was personal sperm. You know, um, so you know, th- this this whole thing, you know, well, like made no sense to me. And then then I'm calling people and I'm blocked. Like, you know, I, I'm like, I'm like trying to call people to explain to them, you know, I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know, I just got this, pardon the pun, dear John letter, you know, telling me how, how broke I am. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, ne- I never knew any of that, any of it. And then, uh, you know, July 12th came and sheriff's knocking on my door. Uh, telling me to, to to get out of my townhouse that I'm evicted, you know. So, yeah, it took it took me a second to get back on my feet. You know, to to get beat down that that bad takes takes you a second to get back on your feet. But you know, uh, I managed. You know, and you know, we owed like seventeen thousand dollars to the fans. We've paid back like thirteen thousand plus of it. You know, um, I could have claimed bankruptcy and nobody would have got shit. <laughs> um, but that wasn't what I wanted. You know, there's people put their faith in me, the, the belief that, you know, my show was going to be worth this much money. And, um, and trust me, boy, it would have been this, that show would have been the greatest King of the death matches that ever, ever happened. Um, people, people would have been talking about it forever. Uh, but, uh, you know, I still haven't talked to Jake, ain't seen Jake. You know, uh, but this is this this is a guy that, uh, you know, uh, every week would kiss me and hug me and tell me how much he loves me and all this other stuff. But two hundred and fifty dollars meant the difference to him. Right. And it's funny that you did mention about, you know, (laughs) he could have sold the belts and made back more money than uh, he was owed. But uh, so I always found that to be strange that he actually burned the titles uh I, I thought it was a joke at first but uh, i guess well, i mean i had a ton of people hit me up this is the greatest angle ever <laughs> what, what are you talking about i just got them belts made <laughs> Fuck me. um well thank you very much for uh, uh sharing that ian uh, I, I know you know that that's quite a lot to let everyone know about there um and you know I, I think a lot of the time people very quick to um to uh pounce on something as soon as they see something or read something or they immediately take it as complete fact and they don't even look to see what the other side of the story is so i appreciate you sharing that side of the story and for anyone out there saying oh he's, he's that's full the, of shit that's the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth Yes, I mean i've seen on your facebook you are posting saying if we owe you money from this show please send an email to this address. So you're actually putting it out there to the public. If there's any fans out there that are owed money. Yeah. If there's any that. fans out there owed money, uh, my email address is very easy to remember. It's Ian Rodden, IWA at gmail.com. You know, uh, all I ask is you, you just present some kind of proof of, of that you paid me. Uh, Cause when I got evicted from my townhouse, 
all, all that kind of stuff got left behind. Um, so like, it's very difficult to, to, uh, do this. Um, I mean, and of course, you know, I'm the scumbag, but we've had, I can't tell you how many people try to try, try to get money that aren't owed. Oh, uh, fucking hell. <laughs> but I'm the scumbag, man. I'm the scumbag. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's all, it's all good. You know, uh, people can think of me what, what they want to think of me, you know, but know this, if you, if, if you ever want to know something about Ian Rotten, just ask me, <laughs> just ask me, you know? Cool, bro. Uh, well, uh, thanks so much. We're coming really close to the end of the interview here, Ian. I really appreciate your time so much. Uh, I wanted hey, to. Man, I've of... been long winded. I've been long winded. If you got, if you got something you want to get to, I, I'm more than happy to give you, you know, okay. a couple extra minutes. Okay, that's cool. Because uh, I, I did want to ask a couple of things about um, the bad breed in ECW. Uh, I feel like the bad breed never really got cel- never get celebrated enough compared to Public Enemy, Dudley's Illuminators, you know, the Pitbulls, etc. Um, you know, the bad breed were a big part of, especially that that early days of ECW. How would you summarize the bad breeds run in ECW? Public Enemy's jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only. The only time me and Axel ever went over on Public Enemy, it was a joke. It was it was an accident. Oh, really? Teddy, Johnny, and and Paulie were were riding to the show, and Teddy said to Paulie, "What what do you want tonight?" He goes, "Bad breed over clean," and he he, ne- he never he never says anything else about it. And uh, so it was it was a match uh, where the winners would would face uh, Cactus and uh, Mikey Whipwreck, yeah, uh, for the tag titles. And, uh, so, you know, the ring, we, we go over and the ring announcer announces, uh, the winners and number one contenders, Axel and Ian Rotten, the bad breed. And you hear Paul E from behind the curtain go, what? <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, we had to have another match where we lost the number one contendership. Oh, um, and, and the only other time I went over on public enemy, Stevie Richards was my partner. Uh, with, with Francine before she was Francine at a uh, at a at a uh, children's charity show that uh, that that Todd was a big part of, um, and they put all the baby faces. Whoever was baby face went over, you know, because um, it was just that kind of show. And uh, but you know, as far as Axel versus Ian Rotten is concerned, you know. Um, I know for a fact that after they announced me and Axel in a, in a ball wire match, the ball wire bat match, uh, when they didn't have a whole lot to put out that night for, for that night, because the big surprise was it was the return of the Funker and it would be Terry, Terry Funk. Um, so they didn't want to give too much, too much away. And when they announced that, you know, we were, we were going to do this baseball bat wrapped in ball wire match. Uh, the fans even knew we were going to go balls to the wall, you know, and, and, and the ticket sales started picking up. Um, so I, I, I really, you know, I read in one of your, one of your, one of your questions, I almost called it a commercial. One of your questions was, uh, what's my most memorable moment in my career? And it's, it's not, yeah, I love that 
30 years after the Taipei death is, is done, um, people still remember it and people still celebrate it. I absolutely love it. But it's it's the hardcore homecoming Taipei death too. Yeah. That really is what I'm I, I am proud of. Because if you watch that DVD and you listen, when the ring announcer goes, it's now time for Taipei Death 2, that fucking crowd goes apeshit. <laughs> and when we did what we did, I had Axel Hardway my arm, Hardway, Hardway my head, um, you know, obviously staple gun to the tongue, you know, a lot, lot, of, lot of stuff that was just new stuff in 2005 as far as what was being done as deathmatch uh, stuff was concerned. But when I get to the back, uh, Roger, the guy that, that ran the ECW arena then goes, man, that was incredible. You guys even had Terry Funk and uh, the Dudleys and Sabu watching the screen. You know? And that 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 to me is 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 prideful because 10 years, 15 years, no, 10 years after after uh you know we do that match to get that reaction out of the crowd and for them to realize, you know. Okay, we're gonna see some shit go down now. You know, uh, is why I've always lived by the uh, moniker three, three hundred, three thousand, thirty thousand. It don't matter. You work the same way. You work as hard as you possibly can and entertain those people that are that are that are in that crowd. You know, and of course nowadays you have streaming services and all that that stuff for people to watch wrestling on. Uh, so so you're outside of that crowd a a a, a lot more than you were back then. But to have that reaction out of those people was pro- probably the proudest uh, shiny moment that that I have. On top of the fact that um, you know, I would eventually find out that Axel was strung out on heroin that night. Um, uh, and when um, when we came back uh, through the curtain and stuff, he grabbed me and hugged me and he said, "Thanks for carrying me." And I, I, I never ever thought I would hear those words out of Axel Rotten's mouth. <laughs> yeah. um, when people call each other brother in this business, he truly was my brother. You know, um, we we had our moments in in and out. You know, um, you know, uh, we, uh, we 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 did each other dirty sometimes. You know, uh, he fucked my girlfriend. I got a blowjob from his wife. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's things, you know, that, uh, you know, we, we were always brought back together. No, no matter what the argument was, you know, we were all, things would always bring, be brought back together. And when, right before he died, when he, when he moved in, he, he came and moved in with me and, and, uh, uh, he, he, uh, said, I can't believe after all the shit I've done to you, you're allowing me to, to live in your house. And I, I looked at him. I said, you're my brother. You know, you're my brother. And without you, there is no me. And uh, when he when he left my house, I knew I was never, ever going to see him again. No. Um, me and me and Axel are both T-shirt whores. 
Um, we love T-shirts, concert T-shirts, uh, the boys T-shirts. We, we, would, we would go up to guys we didn't even like and go, hey, man, can I get one of your T-shirts? <laughs> um, but, you know, he left all that stuff at, at my house. He left, he left his winter jacket going back to Baltimore in January. And uh, he said, when he said, I'm going back to Baltimore, I said, for what? To be, to be, to be a, uh, sorry, to be a junkie. And he was like, that's the one thing I'm good at. I can't wrestle no more. That's the one thing I'm good at. And uh, I had, I had wrote him a note when he put a, a little text. Uh, when he puts, he put something on, on Twitter and Misty said something to me about it that, you know, that he put something on Twitter and I sent him a message and I said, well, at least I know you're alive for now. And the next day he was dead. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for, um, the things, the things that he did for me in this business. Um, you know, uh, he just, he really couldn't handle not being able to wrestle. Mm. He said to me one time, he said, man, how do you not wrestle? Cause at that time I wasn't wrestling a whole lot. He said, man, how, how, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you do that? And I said, bro, there's other things to do in wrestling besides wrestle. And he's like, yeah, but when you do those other things, they don't chant your name. True. But you know, uh, that's why I was all, I've always thought it, it, it was, it was, it was cool that, you know, IWA fans, even when I went in wrestling would chant my name as a promoter. Um, so, uh, that's why I've always really prided myself on, on, on giving you guys the, 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 the best I can, you know? Um, and I'm telling you come April 20th, we're going to have some fucking fun. It is 420. Don't forget that. <laughs> Perfect date, perfect date. Um, well, uh, thank you for sharing all that, Ian. I really appreciate it. And uh, we do have a final segment here of the show, which is something about your favorite things. It's supposed to be quick fire questions okay. for quick fire answers. Let's see how okay. quick we can get through this. Uh, okay. This one, who's your favorite pro wrestler of all time? Dusty Rhodes. Excellent. Uh, favorite opponent from over the years? I, you know, can I put it this way? My favorite deathmatch opponent uh, is, is Axel, uh, yeah. and my 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 favorite person that ever been in the in the in the ring with, as far as wrestling is concerned, is Chris Hero. Excellent choices. Uh, do you have one match that you would look back and say that's my favorite? That's if someone asked you, show me what it is that you do. What makes Ian Rotten Ian Rotten? What would be that match? I mean, it's got to be the Taipei death. I mean, it has to, you know. Um, the fact that people still celebrate an anniversary of it, you know, and, and talk about it, you know, um, is is for a you know fat kid from Baltimore. That's that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That's great. Uh, getting away from wrestling now. Uh, do you have a favorite book? I know that you said you. you I do. I do have a favorite book. It is called "The Call of the Wild" by Jack London. Okay, very cool. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? Uh, if they would ever start running episodes of it again, it would be Yellowstone. 
Oh, gosh, I love it. Yeah, very good answer. Uh, favourite film? Man, I, I, I'm, I'm a... Man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not proud to admit this, but me and actually used to go to the movie theatres and go from movie theatre to movie theatre to movie theatre to movie theatre by paying for one, one movie. Um, and that's, that's how we would spend our day. <laughs> uh, I would I would probably say um I I'm I, I'm gonna have to go with two on this Goodfellas and Tombstone. Awesome, very good choices. You know what Goodfellas is pretty popular for that question on my podcast. Uh, I have to have to admit. Um favorite musical and artist. Blow. I love blow. Oh, I, I love, love blow, blow too. Blow. I, I I've never done it. But I mean, if you ask anybody on the internet, yes, I have. I've done tons of hard drugs. But no, uh, I, I, I love things that are based on uh, mm. uh, real life occurrences. Me too. It's like my favorite thing. Like knowing that what you're watching actually happened is, yeah, it really invests me. Um, do you have a favorite band? Uh, Kiss. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, is, hold on a second. This is a two part question. Kiss is my favorite band to see live. My, my favorite musical band is Van Halen, not Van Hagar. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm 53 years old. So, yeah, I like I like them old guys. <laughs> awesome, I like bro. the entertainment value of, of, of David Lee Roth. Sammy Hagar made the band a better band. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I really like the entertainment value of, uh, of Van Halen. But I've, I've seen Kiss 20 times in concert. Awesome, bro. I've seen them twice. And I know it's almost the end of the road for them. Uh, I think you and I got the same same taste in, in music, bro. Uh, getting away from the arts now, do you have favorite food? Man, probably any seafood, <laughs> pretty, pretty mm. much. I mean, I, I grew up in Baltimore in Chesapeake Bay. You know, um, my mom's not alive anymore to make me meatloaf. So uh, I, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to say uh, my mom's meatloaf or, or pretty much any seafood. Cool. Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? Um, depends what part of the road I'm on. <laughs> uh, like when I'm back home in Baltimore, I always have to go to Weiss's Deli. Uh, it, it's a place that me and me and Axel would eat lunch at three or four times a week. Um, best best corned beef sandwich, uh, uh, Reuben, that there is on the planet. Um, so yeah, def- definitely Weeses. Cool. Uh, only three to go now. Uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And if you don't drink, just a favorite beverage in general. Um. Well, my favorite beverage is 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 Coke Zero, but my favorite alcohol beverage, uh, straight up, is Jack. Uh, kind of mixed drink is a Long Island iced tea. Mm, very nice. Uh, second last one here, Ian. Uh, could be considered the naughtiest question of these favorite questions, but uh, it could have a very meaningful answer. It's favorite female body part or attribute. You know, you see a good looking lady. What, what will Ian Rotten look Oh, at? man, I'm a, I'm a tits guy. I'm a tits guy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, bro. Excellent. Last one here. Last one. Favorite curse word. Fuck. <laughs> yep. that's the number one answer on this show for that no doubt <laughs> I, I i i uh i tell people all the time they'll, they'll say don't curse at me especially like i'll be talking to somebody they'll be like don't curse at me i'm like nah, i'm not cursing at you that's just the way i talk <laughs> so 
Yeah, that's what it's like here in Australia, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but it, it, we've come to the end of the interview here, Ian. I, I want to thank you so much for your time. I've had so much fun. We've laughed quite a lot. We got quite sad at some stages as well. Um, this was really a, a, a fun time for me. And I, I guess what I, I like to do this at the end of the interview and really kind of pump my guest up, you know, uh, you ran that wrestling company for so many years uh, and I was just looking at the list of alumni and there's so many pages <laughs> of alumni, all these people, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Dusty Rhodes, like I've seen, I saw all these days. People don't realize this. People don't realize this. I helped train Cesaro. Right. See? You know, uh, I, I actually went to Switzerland to, to, to help train him. Right. Um, he had already been in America and stuff. And, and then after he saw the, the way I, I taught, uh, he asked the, the promoters of the Swiss Wrestling Alliance over there uh, to bring me over. Uh, right. So I, I spent I spent a, a week uh, in there and and helped training him. And then I did a uh, I did a, a week camp with uh, uh, Alistair Black also. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, uh, as far, as far as workers are concerned that I've had a really good hand in Chris Hero, uh, Cesaro and Alistair Black, pretty, pr pretty, uh, good three guys that can throw it down. Absolutely. And, you know, that was kind of the point I was, I was alluding to was like so many people went through IWA Mid-South at some stage of their career. Um, and you know, you, Geez, it, it took all the way up until what 2022 for there to be some massive problem. Surely you've done something right for it to last so long. Right. And for all of these guys, so many top names in the business now, a lot of them got their start in IWA Mid-South. So you should be so proud of what you've been able to accomplish with that company and so proud of what you're about to accomplish when you bring it back and, and show us really what indie, independent wrestling is all about in 2024. Well, man. I'll tell you something funny here. We used to have this couch uh, back in the day and we just threw this couch out. And I said to my ex-wife, I said, we are dumbasses. If we would have list the guys that slept on that couch, we could have made a fortune on eBay. <laughs> you know? uh, so you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, you know, a who's who of the guys that have been in wrestling. Plus, I mean, I mean, people don't realize I had Bobby Heenan, I had uh, uh, Abdul the Butcher, I had, mm. I had, I had Dusty Rhodes. You know, I had Terry Funk not once but twice. You know, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I got to, I got to live my dreams in the wrestling business, and, um, you know. People always said to me, when you brought Dusty in, why didn't you wrestle him? I don't want to beat up my hero. <laughs> you <team laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I teamed with him, you know? I mean, what what other be better way is there? You know? And, man, when we were going over that match, and Dusty says to me, hey, kid, let me tell you something. Why don't we do this? And, I, and I'm listening with all anticipation because I have him getting the pin and he's like I'll throw you the elbow pad and you hit the big bionic elbow and you get the one two three and it took me probably a good minute to get out the words okay 
I was choked up and so stunned about it, you know, because, uh, you know, you hear stories, you know, Dusty's an egomaniac and this and that and all this other stuff. And, man, when I brought him in, they, they, they say don't meet your heroes. That's not necessarily true. I've met quite a few of, of my heroes from whether it's wrestling or baseball Um you know, I'm I'm a huge baseball fan, huge Cal Ripken fan. Uh, one one of the nicest dudes I've ever met in my life. Um, when he saw the tattoo uh, on my arm, it says Ripken. He asked me if I was a stalker, if I would if I would ever be on his lawn or anything. I was like, no, no, no. And then shortly after that, his mother got kidnapped, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I've I've had. Uh, I've had some I've had some rough times and I'm being honest with you he's he he's been dead since 2016 and and I, I still have uh, so, some some rough days where I get an idea in my head or a thought and I I'd love to be able to pick up the phone and call Axel but that that's that's not a uh, that's not a thing that happened you know and it, now 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 we don't have guys like Candido and we don't have guys like Tracy we don't have guys like Ted Petty you know I, I kind of feel like it's my duty, you know, to do for as long as I can uh, the right thing by the business. And I believe the right thing by the business is for my last show not to be looked upon as a failure. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's how I want to do things. Um, it's, 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 uh, there was a time period where I said I would never, ever come back to wrestling. I don't want nothing to do with it. I absolutely hate it. Um, and and be honest with you, I'm still bitter. You know, uh, I, I I just felt like I, sh- I should have been given a better chance to, to do right by things before everything went to shit. And uh, I, I thought I thought I earned that. I thought I deserved that, you know, especially for guys like Murdoch and Jake, who I did a lot for a lot um you know th- there there was one period of time that jake chris told me that his wife was going to be gonna make him get a regular job um uh, uh because he wasn't making enough money wrestling and i bumped his pay like you know um you know it's it's a uh, you miss the camaraderie you miss you miss even even though there's a bunch of fake motherfuckers in this business, you miss you miss uh, seeing the same people every week, and them saying, "I love you." I'll see you next week. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, it you you miss that. You know that that's the the fun part of the business. Definitely isn't losing money or making money. It's 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 doing something uh, out there to entertain people. Uh, as a group, as as a team, I, and I've always said that's what makes IWA IWA is that we go out there and we do this as a team from the first match to to the last. And uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping I get a chance with a with a whole new generation to show them, you know, why I made it over a thousand shows, and yeah. you know, and and if you if you if you look at things. Uh, in a time period that IWA ran, I averaged 54 shows a year. You know, 54 shows a year. That, that, that's, 
that, that's a lot of putting people to work, no matter how much people want to admit that, uh, or, or say I, 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 I didn't pay people or all this other shit, you know, they certainly did keep coming back if they weren't getting paid. Um, you know, well, at least up until the end. Uh, but, uh, the, 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 re- the fun part of the wrestling business is, is the camaraderie. It, it, it's, it's what you miss, you know, uh, it's believing when you call somebody brother that, that that's true. Yeah. And, uh, um, it's not just a word and a promo. <laughs> well said, Ian. Well said. Well, uh, thank you again for sharing all that. And and thank you again for your time uh, here on the Insider's Edge podcast. Really appreciate it, my friend. Absolutely, man. Hey, and I'm sorry I had to cancel out on you yesterday. I I, I ate some salsa that I don't know what it ate and cleaned the vegetables <laughs> or whatever. But, man, it, it it messed me up yesterday. Like, I wouldn't have been able to sit here for an hour or whatever, whatever without going, I'll be back. <laughs> Uh, so, good uh, I apologize. I had to push it off for, for a day, but, uh, I'm, right. I'm glad we got it done. And like, like, I, uh, I, I, I would like to tell you and your listeners something, uh, this guy literally did pursue me for, for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, after the debacle of that one podcast I did, um, I, I told him I don't do podcasts with anybody that I don't trust. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad to say that, uh, now I know and can trust you. I appreciate you staying, uh, true, true to form with it and, and, and not, not trying to be an asshole and, uh, see, 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 uh, what, what you can get, uh, out of me instead of, uh, you know, just, um, being, being a good guy, asking good questions. And, and and things of that nature I, I i appreciate it and and your fans should too and and anybody that's that's ever said uh anything to me uh from here on out uh about doing a podcast for you i'll be more than happy to put you over like hogan in the 80s <laughs> well thank you very much Anna. very much appreciate that and uh, once again thank you so much for your time absolutely my man Thanks, take care bro. And thank all of you out there for joining us here on the Insider's Ed podcast. Myself, Ian Rotten. See you down the road. Thank you. Network, that's the way we blind. Get puppies. Don't play. Network, that's the way we blind. Get all of has been paid for by the WZWA Network.